0: From the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling
1: tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist.
0: Welcome to the Good Atheist Podcast. My name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Ryan Harkness. Today on the show, we're going to have a heavy topic, man. Wow. Talk about heavy. We're going to be talking about free will, sort of, I guess. (laughs) And Christian morality. So I I don't know if this makes it a really philosophical podcast, but we promise you that we're, even though we're tackling some heavy subjects today, we're going to take our time with this puppy. So don't feel rushed into anything
2: Uh, intellectual. It feels like it's going to be more positive than talking about Jonestown or talking about... uh a- anything going on in world events right now I think uh, the, the, world, the world is a lot darker and this is going to be a much lighter, fluffier happier show than uh, you know, watching CNN or looking out the window or you know, just sitting there crying as the world falls apart
0: Yeah, and if this seems strange I think that in a topsy-turvy world who, the, pre- the people who used to uh, make you cry should make you laugh and the people who make you laugh should make you cry no maybe not <laughs> Everybody should just make you laugh right now. That's the priority. But wh- what we're going to be talking about is actually primarily inspired by this video I watched. It was kind of like this uh, this university, if you want, this online university, who puts out these uh, videos effectively trying to convince Christians that atheism is illogical. And uh, we're going to break down some of their arguments because, you know what, I'm so sick and tired of most of these arguments And I think that they can be explained In a way that is a lot simpler Than most of what you've been listening out there We're not going to I'm not going to make a dissertation all right? We're going we're to talk like street talk
2: yo. None of that professor business I'm going to level with you mano a mano
1: Exactly
0: We're going to do this mano a mano And what better way to do it mano a mano Than to start off I, w- What I'm going to do is I'm going to play some highlights Of the audio for everyone, just so that they're aware of all the various arguments. Uh, did you get my... You, you got my thing that I sent you, right? Yeah. With all the arguments? Okay, good. So we're just going to... I outlined basically three or four of them that I really wanted to focus on, because these are very similar to some of the claims being made, and in all fairness, I think they're probably the more sophisticated versions of these arguments. And I mean by sophisticated, I don't mean like they're Snooty I mean that they're they 're effective in getting their message through to people that 's what I mean
2: like he, they 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 take uh, a lot of the really stupid <laughs> concepts of Christianity and dress them up a little bit and explain them in a way that actually makes them uh, fit for this you know today 's more educated uh, crowd
0: You got it, and I mean you have to you have to we have to respond to those kinds of things that 's our job if you will, because in a sense once once they see that video, there's a lot of Christians who are going to be like, well, that was it. That's done. I'm convinced. Checkmate, atheists. Right. But like all human beings, man, are we always curious. And there's, a, there's a some people, not everyone out there, who at the end of the day, they're kind of like, I, I don't know if that really did answer all of my questions. Maybe somebody has some answers to that. So... I mean, your job is really never done because every time the way the message is being in, uh, delivered changes and you have to kind of adapt to that as a person who communicates to people who are religious. So let's start, let's start with the audio of this thing. We're going we're gonna to listen to it then and we're going to just come right back.
1: All good people are appalled by the sufferings of the innocent. Many people have claimed that such suffering is a proof that God does not exist. Either God is not all-good, or he is not all-powerful, or he just doesn't exist. First, let's examine what we mean when we say that God would not permit unjust suffering. There are two categories of suffering. Suffering caused by human beings, which we call moral evils, and suffering caused by nature, for instance, earthquakes or cancer. Free will explains how God could be good and allow moral evil. The fact that they do evil does not prove that God is not good. In addition, if there were no God, there would be no absolute standard of good. What is our standard for judging evil to be evil? We wouldn't have a basis for saying an act was bad, only that we didn't like it. As for natural suffering, that poses what appears to be a more difficult question. If you do not believe in God, your subjective feelings are the only basis upon which you can object to natural suffering. Okay, you don't like it, but how is your not liking something, evidence for God not existing? Our judgments of good and evil, natural as well as human, presuppose God as the standard. If nature is all there is, there is absolutely no need to explain why one person suffers and another doesn't. Unjust suffering is a problem only because we have a sense of what is just and unjust. But where does this sense come from? Certainly not from nature. There's nothing just about nature. Your private standard means nothing. We can talk meaningfully about suffering being unnecessary or wrong only if we have an underlying belief that a standard of right and wrong objectively exists. And if that standard really exists, that means there is a God. Moreover, the believer in God has an incomparably easier time than the atheist psychologically, as well as logically, in dealing with the problem of natural suffering. If you accept that a good God exists, it is possible to also believe that this God somehow sets things right, if not in this world, then in the next. For the atheist, on the other hand, no suffering is ever set right. There is no ultimate justice. If nature is all there is, how can a sensitive person remain sane? The answer is, it's not possible. Is that how you want to live?
0: I want to break down, of course, what this man was saying. So let's 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 talk about the first of all in the video you may have noticed that they talked about the 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 free will argument. Right? This is something that you hear a lot. This is a this is a way that they try to explain evil because I guess the problem when you sum it up is that the video the summary if you want is just basically saying, well what people's arguments are like there's a whole bunch of evil happening all over the place and if evil happens and God is supposed to be good, what the fuck? And you know, pretty genuine argument when you boil it down. Epicurus had a more complicated version if you will Um, his version doesn't necessarily negate a creator god, but you know like we're all omniscient, he just says basically like, if you're defining god as all good uh, and it's having those attributes and then bad things happen then uh, either your god lets those things happen, which means that he's not all good, or he doesn't have the power to stop them, which means that he's not all powerful, and uh, or that he's he could be and he does nothing and then why fucking venerate such a being i've always
2: enjoyed the not all powerful argument i mean to me if it turned out that there was some crazy sky daddy that created us or who knows like what what, what like an experimental weirdo super scientist alien yeah god knows or well god would know i guess because we're talking about god right now
0: uh or would he if he was just a super powerful curious alien who just sprouted life four billion years ago, has a lot of technology, but is an asshole. Like, you know, this could happen. This could happen.
2: Yeah, because it's just, I mean, uh, across across all all interpretations of how we got here, uh, it is quite clear that uh, whatever, whatever brought us to where we are now does not have control over much else because everything else is just chaotically happening as it happens.
0: Well, this is where, this is again where... Uh there's always this problem because the definition of God can change anyway, in in, in 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 during the middle of a conversation, right? <laughs> so, when when we, when you're talking about the problem of evil, what the video attempts to do to explain evil is to say, well, there's two types of evil, if you can believe such a thing. One evil is basically a moral evil, and that is something that's caused by humans and Humans have free will, which means that they can reject whatever God is. And then, you know, that's why bad things happen. That's why people get murdered. It's why, like, uh, nations fight against nations or all the bad kind of stuff. This is just, we're not really following God's uh, attributes, if you want, his natural goodness. And that's a choice on us, and that's why that happens. And then they're all like, well, there's this other stuff that's just earthquakes and natural disasters and that kind of stuff just really happens. So that's like, there's nothing you can do about that. That's, you know what, that you got to give God a pass on that one. I know he designed the whole place, but hey, you know what? That, uh, that's just a... And even give though
2: a pass. he totally created floods that killed a lot of us in the past, he's not doing these ones on purpose, we promise.
0: Okay, but let's, okay, let's again look at... Uh, It from a pragmatic, we're going to play devil's advocate here And we're going to go on the assumption That it's a very powerful being But not necessarily All good or all powerful Because the problem is that all those two things I think really Conflict with one another I think you can make a strong philosophical argument That those two things can't both be true Or that at least, at the very least that You can't be both omniscient and omnipotent Like, no way no way. You can't be aware of what you're going to do and then have fucking choice over what you're going to do. You can't even stop yourself from what you have already know you did. <laughs>
2: Ow. My brain.
0: <laughs> I know. My brain hurts saying that.
2: Yeah, it's true. Omniscience is a tricky, uh, is a sticky wicket when it comes to things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, I kind of give that one like... All right, that's a, that's a natural one. But at the same time, if we look at it more pragmatically and we're like, well, let's do this whole omni-benevolent thing. First of all, I got to say, if you're a Christian, this omni-benevolent thing, you better give that up, all right? Pretty damn clear that the benevolence does not extend to people who do not believe a really specific creed at a really specific time in history, all right? Because, yeah. Do you know what moral philosophers used to fucking debate? Like Christian moral philosophers used to debate Remember a lot. A of stuff
2: about? like God trying to pick up a rock that He made too heavy for Himself to pick up.
0: Uh, no, well, that was something that was happening in the rena- uh, during the Medieval Ages. But let's go. Let's skip ahead to the Renaissance when people were actually doing some thinking. And imagine that at that time, like you know Dante's uh, Divine Comedy, or what most people refer to as Dante's Inferno. Is, a, is an attempt, I think, to create a philosophical poem to explain some of the problems with the morality of Christianity, which is basically to say, what about all those really moral guys that we look up to that were Greeks that were around before Jesus was around? They're burning in hell, aren't they? And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess so. Because <laughs> they didn't know Jesus, so I guess they're in hell due to our cosmogony. Shit! All right, well, you know, we don't know what happened after. And you got to realize that even the Bible, a series of stories written by multiple people in different time frames, are a way to continue the story and to try to make it make sense. Because by then, you know, you have the beginnings of the humanism movement in the Renaissance where people are like, I think eternal suffering's wrong. Yeah, well, at least definitely for our heroes. Definitely for our heroes is wrong. <laughs> Let's just say that advancement. In morality, is uh, one step at a time, people. Well, I definitely
2: enjoyed time. how during the Napoleonic Wars there was a uh, a big backlash a, a backlash against the church, and it basically came out in the in the way that uh, a lot of the uh, the soldiers when they'd be charging for be like for reason, reason.
0: Well, sometimes uh, you know, not to say that that has never happened because that would be unfair. The uh, There there were some During the French Revolution there were a bunch of uh, Crazy You could call them crazy secularists really I think they were actually called the Jacobins I'm not sure But uh, yeah Well, f- Although just back then Just with the amount of beheadings going on I think that everybody had that whole free pass I'm like well he's doing it I'm gonna do it too You know what I mean? Like the kind of mob mentality shit that happens Yeah when you unleash that beast You'd be surprised what you would do. Maybe that's the scary part. <laughs> but okay, let's. We were we were talking about free will, uh, the free will argument. But here's the here's a couple of problems. Like, so the Christians are just like, yeah, you have a free will, and so you make decisions that are against, I guess, God's own. I don't know if it's His plan because you know technically, can you interfere with God's plan really? aren't you part of his plan this is what makes this whole free will thing kind of questionable because if he supposedly is all powerful and he creates you with a plan in mind is part of that plan to reject him and burn in hell forever that seems like a really upsetting plan I
2: see it as kind of like, uh, like look at it like a uh, like one of those uh, what's, what's that like a candid camera type experiment I, f- I figure that's God's plan is a big candid camera experiment where he plops us down on the earth and he lets us do our thing and then watches and sees what kind of stupid shit we get up to, and then when we, you know, we end up back in heaven, uh, talking to—is uh, it Peter at the gates? John, who is it?
0: Uh, I must—I got a good, good question. I think it's Peter. pretty sure it's Peter. I think Peter's is good.
2: Yeah. You just edit it to make me sound smart. You just say it's Peter. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing it. It's
0: a lot of work. I'm not gonna edit you to be smarter.
2: And besides, you know, I've been
0: embarrassed several times for the things that I've said, and I should know. I'm the should know better guy. So that's yeah.
2: When you you get up to the gates, whoever's in charge is like, "Yeah, you're. We saw that. It was terrible, and it didn't go against God's plan because God's plan was to see what a scumbag you were. Now you're going to hell."
0: Wanted to see how that scumbaggery is yeah. going to play and, out,
2: and uh, you know that just drives into the whole thing about human nature and why God made us so weak and why He filled our hearts. why sin is such a thing? Again, it's it's a weird design flaw that uh, that never really gets acknowledged. Like, uh, if God made us and He made us in His image, why are we such shit bags?
0: <laughs> well, the, I think that uh, again. I mean, the the did He. Purposefully planned to make us broken. This is that whole omniscient thing where you, you should have seen it coming. But those attributes are things that God only achieves later on when people really start grasping these new concepts. I mean, I'm not going to say that our ancestors were dumb, but they also didn't benefit from a wealth of all of this information that may have allowed them to contemplate some larger ideas, let's say. That takes a little while. All right, Uh, and I think that you know. Again, there was a time where the big idea was like, can, can, can an immovable object uh, and an unstoppable force like what happens when the two meet? You know, we do have an answer to those questions now. There's the best answer is there's no such thing as an immovable object. So it's called relativity. Look it up. (laughs) So it turns out your question was dumb. (laughs) But that's cool. I mean, like in in I think in uh, in philosophy, there's lots of dumb questions. We gotta s- cut through that BS and find out the questions that are actually make any sense. But uh, speaking of that, okay, let's go to our second. But well, I, I don't want to go to a second point first because actually we're still rapping about free will. We're probably gonna rap about this for a little while because you you were listening to some uh, some Sam Harris talk about free will, right?
2: Because you wrote a what was it the the book that he wrote about—is it the moral judgment? Was uh, he talking about? Let's free see life? what it was called. Internet, Ham, Sam Harris book. <laughs> yeah, it's called Saris. free will. Actually, uh, it, that was uh, that was uh, that was uh, like a, he wrote a smaller book on free will back in 2012, and his new one is called *Waking Up: A Guide to Spirituality*. So he—you uh, you remember at the end of. Uh, was it the, at the end of, end of Faith that he tried to kind of shoehorn in a little talk about uh, how, you know, being an atheist doesn't have to be a drab, uh, non-spiritual uh, thing?
0: Well, there, was, there were some clear indications in that book that uh, the man enjoys the slight recreational mind-expanding drug. And he didn't, want to, he didn't seem like he wanted to go into it too much because it may have taken the focus away from yeah, what he saying. Yeah, when you're saying. like
2: a neuroscientist and uh, so. and all of a sudden you start talking about uh, actually messing with your own brain chemistry. Oh, it's controversial.
0: But, yeah, well, it's controversial, but then it's totally not. I mean, one person could say, look, take this chemical and it's going to alter the... Uh, electrochemical reaction in your brain. Or I'm going to take this probe and I'm going to alter it using magnetic resonance. You're still fucking with it, except in one version, you don't have to take this thing that's illegal. So think well, about you it know, that way.
2: Getting into his whole concept of free will, it's interesting because his, his kind of uh, argument is that you know, what our brain is doing and how it's, how it's uh, creating the thoughts that we have and the, the words that are coming out of our mouths as we speak is, uh, is just as disconnected from us as if, uh, you know, and, and just as removed from us as a dose of acid or, uh, or electromagnetic uh, changes in the way that we're thinking. All of that is, uh, is happening in the background. We have no control over it whatsoever. And that's his definition of why we don't have free will.
0: Well I th- here's what I think though I mean there was there's this one um uh video that I recommend people watch David Eagleman uh and basically he's this neuroscientist and he was talking about how does our how does the structure of our brain affect the culpability that we might have in crime and uh in in the talk he just talks about like for instance this one guy one of the classic example was uh, he normal thirty-seven year old man, I think, or in his thirties or forties, and then all of a sudden he starts developing these feelings of pedophilia. Uh and then he, he basically gets arrested and goes to jail, and then he starts complaining about headaches, and it turns out that he has a massive tumor. And they remove the tumor and then those feelings appear to stop. And then six months later he seems to those feelings return and they do a scan again and the 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 tumor had returned. So, what, if if such a thing is actually possible, if there really can be such a physical uh, reaction that causes such a thing, well, what, how does that place our view of like you were saying? Let's say free will, right? So, what he was trying to demonstrate in in studies that he's done about drug rehabilitation was that he was he 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 hooked people up to this MRI thing and he he showed them scans of their brain when they were. Thinking about the drug they really wanted. Like think about cocaine. Or you know. And like parts of their brain would light up. And then finally what they what they would do. Is they would give a, them a visual representation. Of what that desire was. On a graph. And then they were shown pictures of cocaine. And they could try to control. Their own craving. Their own awareness. Of their craving. allowed them to change the amount of let's say, blood flow that was going to that part of the brain that was causing the craving. So in a sense, they, they could actually will it away. So I think that a free will exists in the sense that I think that you are a collection of impulses that are constantly at war with one another because sometimes they're conflicting. You know, you're, you're a person of many minds. And your free will is to navigate between all of those conflicting interests and values, I think, really, and instincts. I think that's what free will could probably be defined as of the slim little thread of control, and it's barely that. I mean, like probably your free will is the ability to jump from one mad impulse. Yeah, to we the don't the even X-ray. realize
2: uh, how much is being uh, kind of controlled by uh, by the by the subconscious. It's kind of uh, the the whole idea of right now. Uh, just say this last argument that I made. Why is it this argument, not a different one? It's because this, is, these are the thoughts that my subconscious handed up to me to to relay out and say. These are the the random thoughts that are kind of floating around that I can grab out and. Uh,
0: they served it up at yeah, Hotel and, Ryan. And, and, the, the hotel Ryan or the the Ryan Cafe. And you could be
2: tired or hungover or something else like that. And the quality of the thoughts that your brain are going to be giving up to you are, you know, definitely lower. We've had shows like that where it's just, uh, you know, you, you're looking for that witty idea and your brain's like.
0: Yeah, exactly Call later. Call again later. Yeah. And, uh,
2: and Sam Harris kind of breaks it down into this idea that, uh, you know, it was like your, your example of the, uh, of the guy with the brain tumor. Or there was a, another example he used, Charles Whitman, who was the, uh, the clock tower shooter in Austin, Texas, back in the 60s or 70s. Uh,
0: yeah, well, you know why they talk about him a lot,
2: right? Uh, because, I don't know, you tell me.
0: Well, because he kept a complete diary of his fucking transformation dude, from the time where he started getting violent thoughts to even the end where he's like, donate my brain to science so we can prevent this from happening. Yeah
2: and it did turn, it did turn out that he was <laughs> another guy who had a tumor pressing up against his uh, you know, certain areas of his brain that, that, that are responsible for you know your ability to control your rage uh, and, and other like negative well fear
0: and aggression, like those are the two things that were being triggered. That probably led to all kinds of paranoia and who knows what. Like when your your body is subjected to that in the constant. And basis.
2: Sam Harris's argument is that as we get to understand neuroscience more, and the more that we understand the brain, uh, a lot of of simpler things are starting to look uh, not as obvious as a tumor pressing up against those areas. But if you take a look at somebody's brain, they're starting to become obvious that uh, you know this this isn't this doesn't have anything to do with you know some some unique snowflake that God has put on this earth with free will who just chooses to be an asshole, it has to do with the way that your brain is uh, is basically wired. And, and you have as much control over that as uh, Charles Whitman did, and you just kind of have to roll with it. It's kind of... Uh, the whole idea we all know we all know friends who have uh, negative negative character traits or features and they just can't help themselves. So something comes up and they just have to fucking do it, even if they know themselves that it's bad. Uh, you can't help but be yourself, uh, and and in that way, that's where it kind of comes down to uh, on a practical scale the idea that you're uh, you're trapped in who you are and and free will is is more to do with. You know uh, how your brain is developed, and and the the chemical responses to to what you're interacting with on any given day, than any real sense of, uh, you know, you being this amazing creature with, uh, you know, a free will that is able to, you know, that isn't like a
0: which is a complete control, or that you're some kind of motherfucking, you know, that you're you're Rambo mm-hmm. three, you know, you can just walk in there and save the fucking day. No, like you are not that heroic You don't have that much willpower And obviously if willpower is, is a real thing Like I said, the ability to negotiate between all of these different impulses I think that one, what those impulses are Like how powerful those are Are going to have a very strong influence on how strong your willpower is Like you ever notice that there's some people that seem to be naturally not Like you know, they'll try a hardcore drug and they don't seem to get addicted to it Right, and I, I would I would assume that it's probably like that on a lot of different levels that they they find it difficult to find interest in, in many things that maybe they were like I only have a few interests while people who let's say they're able to fall in love easily are also probably the people who are really susceptible to drugs because they're easily accessible and you know they can focus on something for a really long time which are the kinds of attributes that you associate with habit me- making so that there are some creatures that are going to be better at habit-making than others. And sometimes that can be great. You know, like those same people that are drug addicts are also probably the kind of people that work an unbelievable amount of time on different projects and shit like that. This is the kind of thing that you probably notice. So maybe it's not so much that drugs create all of this creativity. is that people who are naturally... Creative, maybe. Yeah. Attra- well, attractive there's definitely
2: there's definitely a, a very important. Uh, that was one of the most interesting things about it was uh, Sam Harris's talk led me to to more research into the whole situation about habits. You know, the idea that we're just. Uh, uh, on a day-to-day basis, we're more ruled by our general habits, the the established loops that we have in our lives than we are with any uh, any proper sense of, you know, free will is in. Today, I'm going to break free of everything and become amazing and blah, blah, blah. No, you're just going to have like the same 20 habits that you always had. And if you try to resist all of those, you're going to run out of willpower and you're just going to fall back into your habit cycle. And that that was pretty fascinating to me. Now, I, I just want to say before, you know, we wrap it up, uh, at least on the, the free will tip, that I don't really agree with Sam Harris on the fact that, you know, his understanding of of, you know, of our subconscious basically uh being the real person pulling everything out of the bag and handing to us, handing it to us. I don't think that negates the idea of free will because I consider my subconscious, you know, me and him, we're like a team. Yeah, he he's like in in the back cockpit and I'm in the front and we're both flying this fighter jet together. And if you try to separate that uh and and ignore ignore that as part of you, then maybe you could say, yeah, I have no free will. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, me and my subconscious, we, we, we be tight. And, and we make all of our, we work okay, together. so
0: let, let I, I, think, I, think I, can, I think I can wrap it up thusly then. I think that in life, you, you know, you have to choose as a maverick whether or not you have a goose or an ice man. And, you know, just don't lose your goose. Just don't lose that goose. That's top like
2: to of reference, bad. by
0: the way. Yeah. <laughs> you have a wingman. I agree. I mean, like to some degree, uh, identify what are those kinds of desires and urges that that subconscious really desires. You know, like I, you, you're gonna be uh, introduced to some of those desires from your subconscious every once in a while. It pushes itself up in the surface. And my recommendation is, don't ignore it. Ignore it, at your peril.
2: Yep, and uh, and do things to, uh, to to you know cut off the. Uh, the, the the crazy ignorant like the uh, best example is uh cheating um keep yourself out of situations that you won't be able to say no to <laughs> uh basically never yeah, end much. up in a room alone with a with a hot girl who, who wants to have sex with you if you're dating somebody else because uh you know that's one of those situations where your subconscious and your willpower come into play and uh we're monkeys man you just bring it back to that we are monkeys yeah. And monkeys like to fuck.
0: Let, let, well, here's here's what here well here's what would happen in a situation like that. A powerful uh, neurotransmitter would start to go throughout your brain that would start to I- introduce all these different, uh, you know, hormones into the mix and that kind of stuff. So now you're fighting with a number of different impulses uh, that are veered towards one way and. A few impulses outnumbered, outflanked, outgunned. They should have retreated long ago. But their commander, yeah, he thought he could handle
2: them. Yeah. Well, this we're battle. always awashing of hormones and, and different battling things. And again, that goes back to the whole thing about drugs and how drugs are you know, different drugs will do different things for you and people are like, Oh, don't do drugs. Well, you know, sugar. Sugar is uh sugar to me is the most not devast well, I mean it's devastating in, in that it makes everybody fat And fucking kills them And it's devastating in that it is supremely addictive If there's, there's only two drugs That I've ever had problems with I used to smoke way too much pot And I still have a serious sugar problem I stress out, I need sugar So
0: It's interesting that I saw one One study and Obviously this is just one study That showed that there was no such thing as comfort food And I'm like I don't
2: think you did that study right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of times nowadays where you, where like, you know you, you hear about a new study, and then you look into the uh, methodology, and it's like, oh, you, you, you did this entire study on seven ma- mice, and that's it. And uh, this is being published in Nature, and uh, this is not proper scientific method as far as I'm concerned.
1: Not a good oh. day for science. I mean, another not bad day, day for, for
2: uh, American journalism. And uh, but it doesn't look great for science either, because I mean, the whole thing is these scientists aren't saying anything conclusive. They're just putting out their uh, what they have thus far as uh, you know, the next step and, and as part of the next step and what will become eventually a consensus one way or another. And then uh, you know, uh, today's 24-hour BuzzFeed style media has to take and go, six ways that uh, fake sugar is going to give you cancer and kill you.
0: Well, I mean, let's just say that we've never we've never it's never like we've ever given a high priority on uh, the truth or good information. We're just now aware of the fact that how bad our information are it, or sorry, our information is. And that's that's a good sign. I think that frustration is always that a positive sign. Like I think that we need to learn how to I think just source well, our we need information better. Yeah. You know, like some. At the end of the day, we just. Kind of like the same effort that I take on the notes, you know, where I try to put in the links to what I talk about and so on and so forth. I wish that we just had a lot more of that so if ever I was really curious about what somebody was saying, I could go right back to the source. That's all. I want to know what you think you know. That's what I want. Yeah,
2: I want to see how you did it. I need, I need pure citation. That's, uh, that's one of those ways that Wikipedia was uh, was made uh, pretty well. I always liked that.
0: Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, I mean, I, I never believed in the, the citation way that it was taught in school because I'm like, this is silly. I'm never going to go check out this book. This is not going to happen. But hyperlinking happened. And then it was like, of course I'm going to follow a link if it's the effort of a click. Yeah, we solved that. We solved the problem of we knew how to document things in the past. And it was just a fucking giant pain in the ass. I mean, I know because in school, I would scam my way through false fucking references all the time when I write papers. I'm like,
2: yeah, Yeah, I'm just going to make up a book. You guys don't allow me to reference Encarta, so I will just pull a a reference out of my ass. But it's all from Encarta, baby. Microsoft Encarta.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, uh, there was a time where also you couldn't put uh, internet links in things, That's how old we was. Internet, what is that? <laughs> just some guy in his Pretty basement, much. right? Pretty much. Uh, well, I don't think I understood it back when I started getting into it. I, I, I just thought there was a place oh, where you man. could get free music. I, I
2: was always blown away by it. Just like I'm blown away now by everything going on in VR. I'm not going to talk your ear off about this because I totally could. But VR, holy shit. I understand that everybody seems to like be, be starting to get it now, but let me let me explain like in five years it 's going to change everything and in ten years, uh, there was some politician recently or no it was an economist I think, and he was saying that we 're fucked because growth is done because there's there 's not going to be any more big uh, developments. We already had like all oh, the big developments by rail and by by highway. <laughs>
0: Do you know they invented the telephone? We're done. Yeah, exactly. And he's
2: like, and now the internet, what's, what, what else is there to do on the internet? I don't know. Virtual worlds where we all like fucking exist in boundless space and Congregate can do everything and, without yeah, using well, any resources. If that shouldn't change the entire growth paradigm on its head, I don't know what will. Well, I guess global fucking financial collapse will, but we'll deal with that when we get to it.
0: It's cool. We're going to learn how to eat grass. That's what I'm going to develop. A fucking bacteria that is going to process the grass for you more effectively than a cow, I, and then we're I fine. I will just we're eat just the rich. grass. No, well, what about. What if. No, what, well, what if somebody came up with that idea and it actually worked? That you could just solve it, and then we can all go out and eat grass. We can just be one Also,
2: also, I. I'm sure this is probably completely incorrect. <laughs> but all, all we need is we uh, just need smart ba- uh, smart, smart bacteria in our guts that's able to digest that stuff.
0: Fuck that, not even that. No, no, we have nanobots that do it like yeah, 10,000 times better. You know what I mean? Like, There's just no room for any... Or, or fuck that, you know what I th- think the future is? You're not even going to have a digestive track or any of the other business that has to process that. Do you know how much that takes up? Of your entire body's processes, fuck it. Why don't I just make you an entire big fucking solar battery? Hmm? Yeah, we're... just make you walk around with like a blue skin or something like that. You just walking around, just get a tan, and then figure out how to store some of that. Like just because you can basically take sunlight and make sugar out of it. That's that's what plants do. Yep, sugar out of fucking the sun. Works pretty well for them. Hydrocarbons, baby. You know, there's lots of... Uh, and, and get this, man, if you have that skin right now because there's so much carbon and dioxide in the air, it's an energy-rich time for you. You'd be going out there and getting stuffed.
2: Yeah, so, some people just don't have any vision. Carbon. Like, one one guy I was arguing with on the internet, as I do, was... Ba- no, boy. <laughs> he don't was just say, oh, are robots gonna change my baby's diaper or uh, shingle my roof? And I'm like, yeah, nanobots will yeah, live in your ass and yeah. eat your shit before you shit and then crawl out your ass onto your roof and shingle your roof with your fucking shit.
0: No, I don't think you need that. My, my idea was you know what you should do? The most powerful character in Marvel is Ant-Man. I know that sounds stupid, but if you could control the ants who basically take care of like two-thirds of all like trees and all shit that needs to get processed and turned into shit, that's what ants do. So you could just have ants that clean you, you... your house. You know, like, when you finish eating, they just fucking clean your plates, they take your plates away, and all, like, fucking ants can take care of this everything. this
2: idea of, of using ants and bugs, like, controlling them to live a better life, and I've told you it's creepy, and it's not good, and it would not, you know... You want to do with nanobots? If, You're the big weirdo. If they weird had a problem animal. marketing Febreze to people when it first came out, they're going to have a real hard time marketing this uh, ants idea that you got.
0: So, so just take Fine. your stupid you know ideas what? and put Here's them what's in your gonna pocket.
1: Happen.
0: <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. In fucking 300 years where someone's like enjoying in their totally ant clean apartment, finally gets a hold of this, they listen to it, and they're like, wow,
2: that guy. So it's going to be like, exactly. oh, you've got ants instead of, oh, you've got ants. The-
0: exactly, where you're just basically saying, you don't have an ant problem, you have an ant solution to your house Needs. If I could just tell you that basically you never needed to do anything, where all the crumbs in your house or all the dust was the fuel that they just went around and collected, so you never needed to fucking worry about that shit again. You'd want that, yes. You never need to dust again. Hello, fucking call now. We're trying to genetically engineer ants. We're beginning the project.
2: Oh, get back to the free free will thing. Uh, I I think I mentioned that most of. most of the free will stuff that I, I picked up from Sam Harris came actually not from the book uh, that he that he just wrote on spirituality, but from uh, a conversation he had with Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan podcast, and it was an hour-long conversation. I basically took it, and I, I snipped it up, and I'm putting it to music like I did the, uh, the Neil deGrasse Tyson Cosmos uh, podcast that I did a little while ago, so...
0: So this will be in the this will be in the link. Yeah, I, I figure I should show. have
2: it done by the time this show goes up. I can uh, people will be able to go check it out on my SoundCloud and download it and uh, do with it what they will. Because yeah, I listened to that uh, listen to that whole uh, discussion about seven or eight times over the course of putting this thing together at least. Uh, in, in many of the subparts many more times. And uh, you know if you, if you want to have a really good. Grasp on, on how you can explain it to people and uh, you know come to your own conclusions because again, my, my conclusion is Sam Harris might technically be right, but not really in any practical sense. So it's, uh, it, it's going to be worth checking out and uh, hopefully it'll help you guys wrap your head around the, the pros and cons of, uh, of sci- the scientific concepts behind free will or at least that's they're understood now.
0: Well, in, in any case, the, the, the video that I'm providing is also someone who is a neuroscientist who's on the side of, well, it seems so. And and like I was saying, his experiments with drug rehabilitation seem to demonstrate that at the very least there is some kind of power that allows you to make that kind of choice. I would say it's it's a bit like in physics, you know, like that weird thing where the observer, where you observe something you're in fact changing it uh, just by the act of observation. And I think that maybe that... That is what you could say is a, the weird amalgamation of of, of everything we 've been able to achieve as a species. We have the ability to sometimes steer ourselves in a limited way, and we 're really, really proud of it, but we kind of overestimate it and by kind of well, i'm I mean just like hoping seriously.
2: that you know uh, again looking looking down into a brighter future for for us and the, maybe the planet and or maybe whatever planet we go to after we destroy this one. <laughs> uh, is uh, Earth 2.0. Woo! Is you know they, they, there's a lot right. of stuff that if you understand how this works with the brain and how free will works, you can educate kids better. Um, you know you could you could turn the other side of the coin and say you can indoctrinate them better. But uh, you know if you understand exactly how to how to how how free will affects all that, you can you can you can basically generate people better people. Uh, you know make, get a blueprint, sort it all out. We need a new we need a new one. You know this this current. Uh, class is still Little House on the Prairie, 20 kids in a fucking classroom sitting at desks with one, uh, 38-year-old, uh, spinster woman at the front, uh, teaching stuff on a blackboard. It's, or, yeah.
0: Well, you're exper- you're experiencing a little bit of that. You went, you went back and you took some courses on uh, a few things that you're missing. And, uh, how do you find the process? Uh, a little I bit of archaic, The only thing I maybe? can
2: say is that, uh, when there are bad teachers, thank God there are good teachers on YouTube. So, uh...
0: Yeah, there you go. Different. It is a different yeah. future for everybody. You there is a ton of tutors, and by a ton, I mean an unbelievable amount. You just have to find the right one. <laughs> That's on you. That's on your free will. All right. Well, before we we officially wrap up point number one, I do want to point. I do want to make sure that we kind of clarify the Christian view of it. Is that for them, free will seems to be a test. Or, at the very least, a combination of a test and a get-out-of-jail-free card for any actions that are caused by a deity that should have these attributes. Because they they claim the attributes of goodness to God. They're like, that's his nature. That's that's kind of inherent in his nature. So, I mean, that's debatable. Let's move on to the second point, which is tied to this, where they say that basically God is, you know, like without God, you do not have any kind of objective morality. And... You know, therefore, that everything is subjective, and therefore morality kind of collapses in itself. So, there's, there's, you don't have a distinction between good and evil, and all of a sudden, these are just subjective values. So, that's the first, that's the second point I wanted to deal with. I want to answer that real fast by saying, uh, you think that Yahweh is an objective moral source? Really? You think Yahweh or Jesus, these two, these two characters, these guys, this is, this is the, these, that's the hill you want to die on? Cause, I mean it's a good thing that most people are not aware of the characteristic traits of these two people or these two fictional characters cuz they're not they're not good people.
2: Well, I mean, I think oh, so. it's pretty understood now. Everybody generally agrees Old Testament God was a dick.
0: Oh, well, he's not just a dick. I mean, I would I would make I would make the Old Testament God is a genocidal uh madman who's obsessed with his creation loving him and when they fail to do so he uses others non-believers to basically punish his own people it would kind of like be like if your bully dad paid his super strong buddy to beat the shit out of you because that guy actually hates kids yeah that's 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 kind of like him and you'd be like this is my moral foundation Right here. Yeah.
2: I, I enjoy looking at it and asking what does what does the Old Testament God say about the people who kind of created him? The need for control that they had the need for orthodoxy in order to uh, identify who was on your side and who needed to be stoned. It's uh, it's interesting to look at it from that point of view
0: Well it's also, I mean it's a deeply, the Old Testament at the very least is a deeply politicized book because there's different interests Uh, coming from different groups that all put it together they're not all it's not a cohesive uh, story where everybody has the same desires it's kind of like the same the four books of the new testament you know they don't all have the same focus not every not not all of them are obsessed with the same fucking details and that's why a lot of the details are so different it's because when you're saying a story you're saying it with your own personal biases and that's going to fucking bleed through. There's no way you can't put your biases out in, your own, in the story that you wrote. Like, unless unless you actually kind of write for Associated uh, Press. Well, not even there. The bias is clear.
2: I've seen some disturbing Associated Press headlines, man. It's no longer... Uh, even BBC, you know. BBC, I used to have their RSS reader in my... Uh, just in just in my uh just in google i think it used to come when you when you would load up i think firefox they would have bbc sitting in your little bookmarks tab at the top and an rss you'd drop down you'd see all the headlines and depending on which words they put in in quotes uh it, it would completely change you know yeah exactly because when they put quotes obviously they were saying that this isn't this isn't what we're reporting this is what somebody's saying and it uh, it completely changes the meaning of, of exactly what's being done. And you can either... Uh... You, could,
0: you could have even said that at the beginning of when news started. Look, at the, even at the beginning, at least when they were like, Camel Cigarettes presents the news. At least back then, they were honest about who was presenting the news. But if I was to say, oh my God, the news is being presented by a giant corporation, you'd be like, oh, that doesn't sound like objective. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what they are. They're giant corporations whose sole purpose is to is to focus on things or issues that seem to make them more profit and you're kind of like i don't think that that's
2: actually and don't forget the work. uh the undercurrent of maintaining the status quo or helping the the corporate overlords like it's not uh, it's not this evil situation where you have uh well i guess you can't say it's not a situation where you don't have rupert murdoch phoning down and directly influencing things because that guy does but for the most part, it's more of an uh, an undercurrent, and it comes through in in the way that people try to protect their jobs and protect their interests, and and uh, uh, you know ingratiate themselves to their uppers, uh, to their superiors, and so forth. It just naturally ends up happening, and it becomes uh, you know systemized corruption.
0: It's just the way they see the world. Like a good example, let's say you know when we hands out when we give a person a Pulitzer Prize. Do we really think that the name behind that prize was accused of yellow journalism to fucking start the uh, Spanish-American War? Hello? I mean, is there anybody that you could just say at the end of the day is so above reproach that even their own objective view of the world hasn't influenced it in some potentially negative way? But where's the accountability? What do they do? They offer a fucking dowry to people in the future who actually try to show some form of objective journalism? Well, if I couldn't do it right, maybe somebody can. It's pretty weird, though, when you think about that. I mean, it's a sobering motherfucking thought. But at the same time, what does Puerto Rico exist as a quasi-state? <laughs> you can blame American journalism for that. Seriously, you can. I mean, like, the you remember the, the, the William Randolph Hearst that... Uh, was parodied in Citizen Kane I mean that's that's the Rupert Murdoch of his time
2: yeah you know? well I mean this is this is one of those situations where uh, if you want to see how history repeats itself just uh, yeah, pick up a history book and read a little bit and you'll, you'll realize things have always been fucked still fucked always been fucked
0: but let's, let's go back I want to talk though I want to go back to talk about objective morality I know it's tough for us to stick on topic but let's just deal with the fact that you're saying that Yahweh, the guy from the Old Testament, or at the very least you could even just try to say well Jesus had nicer things to say, right? Which I would say on the whole it's difficult to say because there is still as much evil as there is in the Old Testament and there is a, a lot of fucking evil. There's still some good and some pretty practical.
2: Like there's a lot of Jesus like holding a goat while like laying a baby goat while laying his hand on like a, a child and you know, he's got some pretty good... Uh... Yeah, those
0: are yeah, those are, those are are photos, yeah, that people have drawn. But they don't talk about when all of a sudden he starts t- overturning tables and then accusing people of things or telling them he's there to divide families against themselves and shit like that. Like, they don't... Not a nice picture of where you're certainly like, hey, is Jesus for family values? Absolutely not. He's for Jesus' first values and then the rest... Is what your real family is. And I really enjoyed the Second Coming. I really
2: enjoyed what was it the it, it it was it was everything you know past like right like just into the ads and and up for like quite a while uh, when when Christianity was first catching on that was that they really concentrated on that they they were very much like a like drop everything come with me Jesus is coming back very soon so who gives a fuck about your parents who gives a fuck about your mother who gives a fuck about your children. Get rid of all your stuff and let's go, uh, yeah, let's go wear hide shirts and be crazy.
0: Let's go party because the second comet's happening. Yeah. And these kinds of movements happen all the time. And, like, they happen today, right? With that Harold camping thing. How many people sold their belongings and how many families were torn apart when they're like, I'm going to go do this. No, I can't let you. You don't have a choice. I'm doing it. Ah, our, our familial relationship is strained. Yeah, these kinds of things happen all the goddamn time. <coughs> and so much of it like the last time the biggest event that had ever happened was the Millerite movement that, that happened so remember when you I mean you say hey let's look at history and, and how things repeat themselves well there <coughs> was a little while shortly after like there's this, there was a big religious resurgence and then everybody were, got, was kind of tired of religion and secular movements started to spring up like Robert Ingersoll and those kinds of guys all of a sudden people were like fuck religion the church attendance went way down. And for a while, that was kind of like the thing. And then all of a sudden, this this preacher from the U.S., and this is the first time that this is a global phenomenon, and starts to declare, George Miller, he starts to declare, there's going to be, like, the end of the world's coming. I think it's 1853. I'm not sure, though. But anyways, it's something in the mid-1800s. He's like, the end of the world's coming. And a lot of people, I mean, like millions of people all over the fucking world, were like, yep, 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 His he looked at, uh, you know, the, the books from David and Isaiah, and he found a date, and this makes total sense, end of the world's coming. And uh, when that didn't happen, you know, they called it they called it the Great Disappointment. That's what they were like, oh, the end of the world didn't come. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> and from that, you have Jehovah Witnesses, uh, like, all these just different sects that went out. I think the Seven Day Adventists might be actually... Descent from Anyway there's a bunch of different groups That just sprung Out of that because they didn't have much of a choice Like they were so I mean they were pot committed to this shit And what are you going to do man Are you going to really question everything That you fucking believe in every, Like the fact that you have nothing And you're basically isolated And your family relationships are strained and You got no money But you put it all into this thing So you might as well go all the way You don't think that's how people think
2: sure
0: yeah that's pretty fucked up way to think though You know, I'm like let, let me tell you this you never have to go all in that's just in uh, no limits uh, Texas Hold'em and that's not real life okay <laughs> never go all in always have a little bit left so that you can just you know
2: yeah. be like there's, there's, mm, maybe this isn't the greatest there's greater. no more there's no more really uh, well I, not like I don't know if there ever really was but yeah the net the bouncy net at the bottom of uh, our social system is no longer as bouncy as it used to be Well, it's not just that. I mean, even in your own belief.
0: you know, In my non-belief, I'm not 100% pot committed. I'd say 99%. There has to be a part of me that's like, I'm willing to look at evidence. Because if if I was totally committed, if somebody said, like, listen, there was a giant alien creature that started all life, we just have to kind of accept it. I'm not going to worship him. Ridley Scott
2: was right. That's that's
0: fucked up. (laughs) Or if somebody said, yeah, the entire universe is really just a social experiment of a twisted being... And if you reject him, you go to hell. I would have some thinking to do. Yeah. Like, if you could somehow prove that. There would be... I'm not sure that I would bow. Let's just say that. I'm like, how long in hell? How long?
2: Okay, well, imagine, yeah. I mean, it's not that difficult to imagine that, uh, you know, we can figure out... We figure out that we're a hologram. And then we figure out how to recreate that hologram. What the fuck would that be all about?
0: (laughs) I'm going to make myself more muscular. That's how I'm gonna uh, change my hologram. You
2: obviously don't know how the hologram works, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, guilty, guilty as charged. But uh, you know, I'm 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 only ninety nine percent committed to this whole materialistic, uh, you know, scientific worldview. So, if you can give me, if you can give maybe maybe a little bit more, but if you could give me some really solid proof that there's something beyond that, I mean. I don't think anybody should ever be so committed that even their own life is at stake. Like, are you gonna are you gonna claim somebody else's life in your own belief? Like,
2: are you gonna Jonestown it? Bring it back to Jonestown? Yeah,
0: I don't. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna really force anybody to go that that pot committed. I'm like, hey, I want to be committed to ra- you know reason and logic, but even I recognize the fact that reason or rash- is often rationalizing, and other people have systems of logic which sounds logical to them. So. You can't always use that language rhetoric to speak to people because they might feel logical. And perhaps your logic is flawed as well. You don't know. You don't fucking know. Okay, but still, we're, at, still, we're still at point two about this objective morality of Yahweh or Jesus or something like that. But here's the, here's the kind of problem against this sort of a... He's an objective moral God. Well, the Catholic Church, how do they differentiate between, say, child molestation and masturbation as, as, as they're both sins? How do they differentiate those two things?
2: The amount of hail, hail marys you got to do.
0: <laughs> those are that. That's maybe their choice is to try to give it a uh, some form of of degree. But the Bible doesn't show any kind of degree of, uh, of of a for that that allows us to actually formulate an objective moral standard. That's the problem. Because one, you have God who does whatever the fuck he wants. So is it moral because God? Uh, Will did like if when God says kill all the Amalekites or the Amorites? I'm not sure which one, because they they kind of they didn't let you go through their land when you were going to the Holy Land, and I want to punish them. I mean, is that the moral thing to do? Is there any circumstance where even a good moral God could tell you to do something evil, and you'd be like, well, I don't want to do it? So what happens to you? You're like, I don't want to kill another human being. Well, you're you're in the wrong, sir. Because God willed it, and he's all good, so he can't possibly ever make a bad decision. And you're like, well, um, you know, it, it, if it doesn't feel true, maybe there is something a little bit to it. Because, you know, in the video, they were trying to dismiss that whole, well, those are your feelings, and those aren't re- relevant. Those are meaningless. <laughs> Did you pick up on that in the video?
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit weird. It, it, every, every kind of... Uh, not Christian scientists, because I know they're their own thing, but every kind of a, kind of a explanation for these kinds of things where they try to dress it up a little bit, there's always that point where they have to say, yeah, but ignore this, or don't listen to this, or this is where logic is telling you this. Don't listen to it. <laughs> Suspend your disbelief for a moment.
0: Or, but, I mean, there, there's, also, there's also this idea that kind of, well, if, if it's a feeling that you have, and, and if you are kind of a product of nature which is their kind of nature argument, which is one of their other ones, is that they're saying nothing just ever happens in nature. There's no justice. There's only kind of nature, red, tooth and claw. So because they're that, that's their interpretation of nature, they're kind of like, well, you can't have morality without, you know, my imaginary best friend. To which I would basically reply, well, one, it kind of shows you that I don't think you really understand a lot about complex social groups like does altruism matter in the in nature uh you you fucking bet it does (laughs) does cooperation matter in nature not for every species that's true not for many species but for some species that's actually so inherently interwoven that without it they would all die and we're a good example of that we're probably the prime example i know it's probably bad to use yourself as an example. But, I mean, we that's why we can, we can often find examples in nature of chimpanzee species, bat species, lots of mammals. They're, because of the way that they operate in social groups, they have to have these behaviors. So to suddenly wash this whole nature argument and say, well, because nature is inherently violent uh, and, and unjust, that it can't possibly come up with any system of justice. And you're just like, well... Bonobos and chimpanzees have Two different systems of justice One system of justice is The male who's strongest Basically crushes people's Skulls, that's the chimpanzee <laughs> If they disagree, and the other Chimpanzees, basically the, All the group uh, they, They'll beat up anybody who tries to take any Control, but there's They'll, they'll give them a blowjob after And uh, make it all better Which I say I think they got things
2: figured out Definitely better than our justice system. No, blowjob. well, I guess there are, but uh, not, not that none that you asked. For. No, no, it's not very reconciliatory. But again, we're 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 circ- not circling back around, but this this jumps back into heavy Sam Harris territory because his whole book on the moral landscape that was that was what it talked about. This is exactly kind of what he breaks down in that specific tome.
0: Well, I mean, you can't you cannot trust. The Judeo-Christian God to actually give you any moral standard, because the problem is, from a get-go, we mentioned the fact that evil is evil regardless. There's no gradation, and that evil can start as quickly as saying there's no Holy Spirit. So, obviously, the 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 objective standard of evil is pretty fucking piss poor, and so you're obviously relying on something else. You're relying on the very feelings that this other. Supposed philosopher in the video they were talking about so easily dismisses and I'm kind of like um That's how that's what guides you too, buddy. I mean before you just throw it under the bus Realize that your feelings are actually a really complex organ of uh, Ways that you negotiate with other really complex beings so it's going to be extremely fine-tuned to things like retribution and justice and Doing right and things like that so we seem to be hardwired with those so if, if you deny those, I think you're just basically... Denying like, most, your human nature. Well, you're, I mean, you're also denying all of the most recent research that we have about how we behave and how other uh, other animals behave. Because when we understand them, we understand us a little bit better. It's, it's stupid to, not, to, to think any other way. Like, to, that we're somehow so, so fucking different. Because when we dress ourselves...
2: Like, what do we do? That's so different again. Well, that's the most disappointing part about this. I mean, it's the most interesting part of atheism in, in, in my book. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the whole the whole talking about God and God doesn't exist is is an important aspect, just because we're still in this. Uh, uh, you know, you, you got to. Uh,
0: we're still having the conversation. Yeah, we're still we having we the still debate. have to
2: have that debate because. Uh, but but the most interesting stuff to me is always when it comes to uh, what we understand now about ourselves and our natures, and it's so much more fascinating to find out. Uh, you know what's what's going on in the scientific community as far as discoveries of how, how we work, what makes humans tick the way that they do, than than anything that you could ever find in the Bible or anywhere else. And that's you know it just disappoints me that uh, there's probably a bunch of religious people who who won't who who consider it almost heresy and uh, won't even look into that kind of stuff.
0: Well, think about the even just what's necessary with Christianity is a complete cottage industry of people that have to try to interpret. Bronze Age and Iron Age mythologies into modern times. I mean, what a fucking hassle let's just say that, right? I mean, how do you square in all of this new... Like, if we realize that free will is a kind of limited thing, and that we might have some degree of control over it, or that, like we were saying before, that perhaps some things about your brain may have influenced your behavior, therefore meaning that maybe you weren't responsible for some of the things that you did. Um, I don't see that nuance... Anywhere in a religious book And I don't know if anybody can actually Interpret the Bible in any way That would bring in that nuance Because it's not a sophisticated book I mean it might have been sophisticated in 600 AD But that's you know that's as, About as far back as I'm willing to give it Any level of sophistication here so, you know, like we, we're, we passed that point a long time ago And even if anybody's going to tell me Oh you didn't focus on the New Testament Jesus had nice things to say um, With his lamb well,
2: and the little boy that he's always yeah, well, pushing a kid, in the head. Well, he'd he'd be
0: like, oh yeah, I love kids. Yeah, but you know why he loved kids? He loved kids. He loved kids because they were innocent and dumb and would believe anything you tell them. Which is what you you should be like. That's what Jesus tells you: be as innocent and fucking dumb as they, because they they have inherited the uh, kingdom because they believe anything you fucking tell them. And uh, and meanwhile, you realize uh, you're kind of you're promoting people to not uh, think skeptically about the world. That's a pretty fucking. Warped idea But even more warped Is you're saying like, Well if you don't believe that Or if you don't think That I am uh, Your god Then you're going to Burn in hell forever <laughs> No biggie though You just have to love me Okay That seems like A really moral thing And a, a, a strong moral foundation To base Everything on Like I, I still get I kind of like Find it strange That Judeo-Christians Are like You get all your morality From this bargain like, which which bargain are we talking about? Like, is, is the only reason why you don't feel the need to physically punish me in this world is because you think that I'm going to be eternally tormented in the next? Is that how your twisted sense of morality functions? Is that it? Is that a laissez-faire attitude? Because you're like, well, you're going to burn in hell anyways, asshole. Uh, oh, cool. Thank you. I guess I can't have a moral foundation without this. <laughs> I mean... Anyways, okay let's go to the the other point that I wanted to um, uh, t- to talk about like in terms of this this um, how do i how do I explain it let's just say that even at the end of the day if you were to say well Jesus had more moral things to say in the Old Testament and this is a moral foundation that judeo christianity was built up into you you still have kind of the problem that it is a bit of a death cult right I mean we we do admit that it looks forward to the end of the the earth I mean just read any of the gospels it's pretty fucking clear Jesus is talking about it a lot he's like there's not going to be one fucking stone of this temple that's going to be uh, here by the time I come back and he's talking about the destruction of the temple which really was a historical fact that happened but when you're writing by pretending they're saying like when you write after the fact then you pretend that it happened before it's a pretty fucking sweet scam Let, let's just say like, let's imagine that you were writing a book and you're pretending that it was written before September 11th and you knew everything that was going to happen you could probably write a pretty prophetic sounding book Couldn't you? Probably Yeah, And you could just interweave yourself In there But the problem that you would have like If you were trying to do it from the Bible Is it's hilariously weak Like a good example is all of a sudden they realize Well it said somewhere that the Messiah Comes into Jerusalem on a donkey So before going into Jerusalem Jesus like tells one of his followers Go find a donkey because It says right there in the Bible I gotta walk in there with a donkey So go fucking steal a donkey he tells him, just go take it. Take any donkey you see. Uh, that's stealing, Jesus. But it's not stealing because I, I need to fulfill this prophecy. So you're fine taking any old donkey you see. But that and a horse, apparently driving both in town. Hmm. I don't know how that's possible, but whatever. Yeah. You're not supposed to make sense.
2: There's about. a couple of disturbing things that Jesus brings into the mix. There's hell. That's pretty disturbing. And then there's the apocalypse, yeah. which is uh, also pretty fucked up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, but I mean, it's it's not... So let's say again i mean jesus is this figure that you can't really place in history and in any real time but more the kind of biases and views the people who wrote about a fictional character like if if i wrote about bella is that the name from the chick from twilight yeah Secret yeah yeah bella yeah if i wrote like continued adventures of bella and then all of a sudden that became a real religion and you just basically said that it was the same author who had written the first one because if i used the phrase you know, certain phrases like she does what was what's that one phrase that she uses all the time?
2: Oh, I can't remember.
0: It was so or something, I forget what it was. But there's some there's some pretty hilarious like, bad writing in there. But if I just uh, copied that same style, you know, would you know any different? A few hundred years later? And if I had some certain prejudices where I really I, I just hated the American government and I decided to use an allegory of them using werewolves <laughs> Would it really apply to the future? I mean, if you'd interpret it vaguely, sure. Maybe. Even then, probably not. Mm. (laughs) But that's what you're left with. So imagine that this is what they have. And like at the end of the video, I don't know if you noticed this, and they were saying, well, you can't make sense of the world in which there's suffering if you're a non-believer, because you're just saying this is nature and there's no meaning and all your feelings are private and good and evil are subjective. So it's all, how can you possibly live like this? And they're like, well, you can't, so don't believe it. That's what they said at the end. They're like, it's not possible, so just don't do it.
2: <laughs> Without a grand lie, everything falls apart. And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a general idea that you seem to see a lot in politics as well. Without this great, uh, this, this great idea of, uh, of America as the great whatever, uh, then all of a sudden America, uh, society starts to crumble. And uh, it's a pretty, pretty fucked up on its face idea. And I don't understand why uh, it's, it's, it carries so much uh, you water. Know, it's because so it's water. partially true.
0: See what they mean is that they think that if we do this if we make change and this is true for any individual who might be a believer let's say let's say one person who is a believer is still listening to us by now has not made up their mind through some fucking miracle and real and, and you know I would be honest with them I would say that if all of a sudden if by the end of this you realize that you should question what you believe yeah it's going to shake you up a little it's going to change you but it's not going to destroy you because they're at the end of the day there isn't a lot that's fundamentally changed it's just that there are certain things that have your concept of yourself has maybe shrunken down a little but that can be a good thing you know i think that our overinflated self of ourselves is uh needs to be like deflated a little it's not a bad thing we we should all not see ourselves as the center of the fucking universe because that's a humiliating position to hold as a species i'm sorry like come on. If aliens came down and you're just like, wait, we're not the center of the universe, do you want those people representing you as the first contact point? No So yeah. Until we're all at that level where we stopped seeing ourselves as like Oh well surely if there was a God that created this massive universe, he must have also looked like us and he's a
2: he. <laughs> he's a
0: penis. Yes. It'd be pretty
2: embarrassing if he came back and he was like a giant fucking honeybee or <laughs> or a big creepy ant. Yeah.
0: It's like, what happened? Well we had to give it a if we would have worshipped an ant, people would have said it fucked up. So we we made it more human. That's what we did. That's on us. Sorry there, bee Jesus. We just we didn't know how to sell that. <laughs> he pollinated for our sins. We just didn't know how to we didn't know how to make it a human story. We made
2: some, uh, some creative uh, accommodations to make it fit the format.
0: But look, the concept of God is the same thing that we need. Is the, it's, it's like when we tell a story, there is a narrator, right? There is someone to say the story. And I can kind of understand, well, for us, you know, when we think of ourselves, you know, I'm like, there must be some narrator to our lives. You're like, no. No, beyond you, there really is no narrator. And before that, freaks you out and makes you think that there is, like, no objective morale. I realize that as soon as that, those conceits crumble, nothing has fundamentally changed. Nothing, like, really, almost nothing. Except for you're gonna n- gotta say, it's pretty sweet, and uh, you're no longer obsessed with this weird nebulous uh, super fun land that you're gonna try. You have to scam your way into. Like, you don't have to worry about that no more. So give up on that shit. Is that a, is that a concise way to put it? It's not bad. Give up on your fun playland if it feels like it's it doesn't bad. make any sense to you. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Hey,
2: every, unless we're talking about quantum physics, in which case you're just too dumb to understand it. I mean, uh, is
0: there anybody that's smart enough to? There's probably a bunch of our smartest people are just barely grasping it. That's is that depressing? You're just, like if it does if it sounds depressing. Remember that your close genetic cousins. Throw poo at one another, or wear grass in their hair, and that's about as, as that's that's
2: technology. And uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, a lot of humans are gigantic idiots too. So the fact that some of us are smart enough to uh, to really get it is is pretty astonishing when you look at the wide range of of human behavior and 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 thought and uh, yeah, just uh, intelligence. Maybe that's level.
0: It. Don't let the range get you down. Is that a better summation? Don't let the rain get you. Dude. I like that. Yeah, uh, there's still lots of smart people, and I feel that to some degree, even though we're we we don't want to admit it yet because no one wants to be the first person to say we are on the cusp, I think, of a complete intellectual renaissance because, uh, with the internet there is a bunch of little baby geniuses that are out there constantly absorbing information because they have no lives and they have uh a planet wide worth of information
2: yeah I mean uh, I think we're all ready for it we're waiting uh, who's going to be the next Marx to lay down uh, you know a, a, a more concise uh, uh, opposition to uh, to capitalism Naomi we're Klein
0: man that's who next Karl Marx is Naomi Klein
2: now all she's doing is she's pointing out the, the evil in the machine she's like here's how the I machine know, works and now you can cry like, in a corner you know,
0: that's her work now when she's in her 80s master thesis I yeah, mean, uh, did, did but, Karl Marx write that when he had a, a tiny little goatee? No, sir.
2: I mean, I think the good thing is we, we I, I think at this point everybody understands what our large, the grand problems of our society are because we've been dealing with them for the last 40 years, straight up. We've been good uh, at know, diagnosing uh,
0: them. Very good at
2: diagnosing them. Yeah, and, but, but change doesn't happen. If you take a look at any of the problems that have come up that have had to be dealt with, uh, maybe world governments have put a band-aid on a couple of them but for the most part they've you know uh they've existed for the new cycle that they existed in something was done or more often not done but it was still ineffective and then we move on until another another real world uh like illumination happens that that really lays out why we need to fix this problem and we go through the cycle again but nothing is actually getting done anymore but i feel like uh take an example the uh the uh Arab Spring, Arab Spring in itself wasn't a bad thing. For all the chaos that's going on over there right now, the problem was the people that took over and the vacuum it created. Did so you say what Arab means to Spring? Out? You
0: mean, Arab Spring. When you say Arab, it sounds like the way my grandpa used to say it.
2: Look, I mean, it's it's not nuclear, nuclear. Arab. Uh, Spring. You can say Arab. Arab is perfectly an ex- a perfectly acceptable way Whatever, of saying grandpa. it. <laughs> but there was nothing wrong with it, what was what was wrong was that they didn't realize after you topple the government that you need something put back in place. Like it's Same in, in Ukraine. The people came out and they fought against a corrupt government and they got another corrupt government in its place. It was, uh, meet same government, same as old government. So, what needs to be figured out now is you need some smart people to come out and basically lay out some kind of document or some kind of uh, you know process for making sure that the next time this happens, it doesn't get co-opted. I feel like that's going to happen in a lot of different fields soon because people are going to be, not only are we sick and tired of nothing happening, but we're not, we no longer have the luxury to let the wrong continue. We're getting up to the point now where it's almost, we're back to the forties and thirties where, you know, when things go wrong, millions of people are going to starve to death straight up.
0: Well, you know, I think that I figured out a way that we can do it and we get, we have to use the existing culture and resources and what is the way that we pick the types of people that we want to, us to, to, to lead us? Well, I think that we should have a singing contest, and the winner will basically you know, lead our people to the future. What do you think? Singing I contest. like it.
2: I think, uh, I think the Koreans will make great leaders.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we, we should only be, I don't know uh, how worried I am about the effectiveness of the singing contest thing, but it's better than uh, anybody else, what anybody else suggested. So far,
2: it's better than the democracy we have
0: now. Ah. His singing power or her singing power was great, and we also assume that that would translate into leadership abilities. Hey, look in the Bible—they considered tallness and attractiveness the two most important qualities of leadership. So, those that hasn't really they
2: know changed. What they talking about? As a tall, handsome man. I like that. <laughs> I think as a tall, handsome man, I can do all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And have historically off the right, right, of
0: this. right, right. Well, you know, what can you say? You've you've been batting all right, but um, perhaps you won't inherit the future. Act now, act now while you still have that advantage. All right, I think that pretty much wraps up our show. So, I I don't know if we covered all the segments in a way that is satisfyingly complete to people because we went all over the place. But:,
2: um, yeah, well, I, uh, I think those are usually the, yeah, the, the those are usually the, the good free ones. will
0: arguments, this objective morality nonsense, this nature arguments, and that you're, this whole nature that this whole idea that you know, just because you feel it and it's an emotion has absolutely no bearing or meaning, and you're kind of like, well, they come from somewhere. there's a law lo- you can trace that back a long way, and uh, the fact that you can means that, well, it did have meaning, it has meaning to us. <laughs>
2: But, what I enjoyed is how we basically took this uh, this Christian uh, lecture and we had an interesting atheistic debate about it which uh, which just goes to show you once again that you know you shouldn 't just live in your own bubble it's it 's useful to hear what other people are saying and uh, and and you know see how your ideas bounce off those right well, it 's true i mean I, I I let those ideas have dirty sex <laughs> i
0: want to I always am curious as to what the other side is doing and how they how they try to orchestrate their own view of the world if you want. I mean like they think that they're right. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but you also have to be willing to really test your assumptions. And I'm always willing to. I'm like, I'm I'm watching their videos waiting for that killer argument. Just still waiting.
2: Waiting for that really good one be oh that one's good. And who knows, maybe it's gonna take a really charismatic singer to say it for it to kinda resonate in your, your fucking monkey brain and just like Charles Whitman then you will be unable to uh, to resist it and uh, then we're going to go down yep, that rabbit your hole your limited
0: free will will not be enough to resist <laughs> <laughs> just like you can't resist this show right? your limited free will couldn't get you to stop listening even after all the ways in which we fucked up uh, you know, membership to the show
1: <laughs>
0: that's yeah, the true, true nature of addiction you're back and you're here and you're loving it, every minute of it
2: yeah, you're still chasing that dragon. You're
0: chasing dragon. <laughs> you're chasing that dragon and as often as we can, we're gonna try to give, yeah,
2: you, give you a give good, you good batch. batch
0: and and hopefully make you see that uh even though the world sometimes seems dark, your pals are still there. You were
2: We could still laugh oh, at the yeah. void.
0: I mean, if you're if you were crashing into a black hole in your spaceship, you wouldn't laugh at it. I mean, what else are you gonna do? It's a black hole, it's already got you caught in there. You might as well just fucking have a whatever drug recreational drug you enjoy and uh, laugh and fuck it you had a good run (laughs) see what happens see what fucking happens (laughs) alright with that my name is Jacob Fortan have a good evening everybody